Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fucked Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Maria Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. What is up, fucked up fam? It's your girl. You already know the drill. If you're here, you know that you're listening to my podcast, That Show Fucked Me Up, where I talk about TV shows that fucked me up. This is season 10, where I'm covering uh, the TV show, the HBO Max. Yes, I'm sticking to HBO Max because the name Max is stupidity. The rebranding, I hate it. HBO, give me a call. We need to talk. Why would you change your name? from HBO Max to Max. It, I do not get it. It sounds like a dog's name. Um, sorry, I also get really sidetracked and have a little tangent, but <laughs> this season, season 10, like I just mentioned, I'm covering the TV show called Sharp Objects, starring the amazing Amy Adams. Um, and yeah, but before we go get into our episode, we do a little update. So starting with personal updates. So <laughs> I was re- recently in, tr- in Twitter, just scrolling, just, you know, minding my own business. And then I follow this astrologer. Um, and then she, no, um, the astrologer was like, y'all need to know what your attachment style is so that you can prosper in your relationships. Here is the quiz. So there I was taking this funny little quiz. And then I realized uh, what my attachment style is. Do you know what it is? It is called, I fall under the category called fearful avoidant attachment style. I am now way too self-aware. I do not like this. I am not coping with this well. So what is uh, the fearful avoidance attachment style? It's very, uh, it's just what the name is, fearful avoidant. So a fearful avoidant attachment style describes a person who craves closeness and support. However, they also fear it and feel the need to distance themselves from others at the same time. I left a little pause so y'all could process that. Um, Yeah, like I said, the realization, not great. Being this self-aware, no, I like not knowing stuff. I love ignorance is bliss. And now I know way too much about myself. And I read it and I I started doing research and there I was in bed. I crawled into bed and I cried my little eyes out. And now I'm getting emotional. Uh, Yeah, and then I realized I've been self-isolating recently and just like, I can't help it. Like, I was looking at what triggers it. And I think most of the things that trigger it, I did not experience. And I think it, it, it mostly gets triggered in like childhood, which I think I personally think I had a really nice childhood, like in comparison to other people. My parents were amazing um I always had someone there with me like there was always someone taking care of me I had my siblings um like I I I was never lacking in anything so I think I had a good childhood so I think my fearful avoidant attachment style 
came once I was either like yeah I after like I turned 18 and like I started experiencing like like a romantic relationships or lack of <laughs> but yeah um I'm gonna look for the quiz and if you want to take it I might add it to the um episode description if you want to take it if I do not recommend it I think just live in bliss just not knowing like why do you want to get better just keep repeating those cycles you know just be toxic just a little bit just a tiny bit it never hurt nobody just kidding do not listen to me (laughs) another person well i think well yes this is a podcast update but i think it's a great fucking update i am now or that that uh that that tv what's the name of my podcast (laughs) i am like blanking out that show fucked me up my podcast on tv shows that fucked me up is now part of pods network i am one of the featured podcasts under this network uh and you can go check it out it's pods p-o-p-o-d-z as in sue network.com yeah, so I'm hoping that this will help with visibility and you already know the drill. I'm just trying to get the podcast out there for uh, people to like listen to me be a little bit mentally unstable, but it's fun. It's fun. Hi. Hi. If you're new here, welcome. I welcome you to the fucked up family. I welcome you and I hope this, this like shared psychosis that we all experience simultaneously i it's gonna it's gonna be good for you it's gonna be good for you that's that's a cult leader welcoming you to the cult thank you (laughs) but yeah i'm super excited i got onboarded today um and i i'm just i'm just really excited for this new journey you know i me and journeys love it absolutely love it and another thing about me if you're new here i um really like accents but i'm really bad at them (laughs) horrible horrible at accents so you know maybe like a little accent will come out every now and then it's part it's part of the shared psychosis and if you start talking like that it's part again part of the shared psychosis (laughs) Pop culture update. Oh my goodness. Social media has been crazy. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, the Kiki Palmer's baby daddy uh, drama. Oh my fucking God. For those of you that live under a rock, Kiki Palmer was at an Usher concert and she was looking mwah, delicious, finger licking good. She hot on like this, like, um, it doesn't even matter what she had on. She looked so fucking good. And Usher, like, I, I don't know if she was on stage already or he brought her on stage and he sang to her. Um, And then, like, there's a video online and her baby daddy, like, subtweeted the video of, like, Usher singing to Kiki Palmer. And he's like, basically what uh, let me tell you exactly what he said um (laughs) i'm like googling and like the first things key palmer usher key key palmer boyfriend key palmer baby daddy uh what did it say 
I'm like, it basically said like, you're a mother. Like, oh, it's like, it's the outfit though. You a mom, bro. What? There is an epidemic right now of toxic, insecure man. Bro, do you, do you know who you were, you were dating? That's Kiki motherfucking Palmer. Like, she's been part of, like, my whole life. I've grown up with Kiki Palmer. She's always been a bad bitch. Always. And it's like, you knew that when you got with her. You knew that when, you know, you've been knowing that. And now that she's a mom. You can't stand it? What? No. Look, the girls that get it, get it, and the girls that don't, don't. You know? It's just shocking to me that a man is going to comment on what you're dressed, like how you dress, and that at a certain point in your life, you need to stop dressing how you've always dressed. It just screams of insecurity like oh you know your girl looks good you know she looks fucking hot and you want her to hide oh no sweetie sweetie pie darling no go work on yourself work through your fucking issues get some fucking i don't know like Feel more secure in who you are as a partner and, and like, as a father. And, like, don't comment. And, look, the thing is, why put it in social media? Why are you going to, like, shame, publicly shame your partner, the mother of your child? What? That just makes you look so fucking bad. And... It did. This motherfucker had to delete all of his social media because, you know, everyone was coming for him. It's so embarrassing that men are always going to embarrass you. It's, like, so disgusting. Like, grow up. Grow up, bro. It kind of reminded me. So, my friend, I won't say any names, was, was once dating this man. My friend is fucking beautiful. She's got amazing yitties. Mwah, chef's kiss. The girlies are hanging. Um, and she was going to go on a date with her man to the bar. Just, like, get a couple drinks. Just hang out. Have fun. And she's like, I want to look cute for my man. So she puts on a fucking sundress. Fuck the fam. A sun summer dress. Tell me why. When this man got there, he was like, oh, are you going to wear that? And she was like, what do you mean? Does this look bad? He's like, um, well, I just, um, um, I just like, I just feel like you should save those types of clothes for when like we're by ourselves because I just want you all to myself. And like, do you want me to get in a fight? Like if someone's staring at you? Shut the fuck up. When are men going to learn that sometimes they just need to shut the fuck up? You know what he should have done there? 
should have got gotten to to pick up my friend. Tell her how fucking amazing she looks. And be fucking lucky that she was choosing him to be her partner. That's what should have happened. My friend actually chose to go change because he made her feel like shit. And she was like ashamed. She kind of was like, oh, my God, am I being too slutty? Like, no, absolutely not. When she told me when she told me this, I was like, red flag. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I'm calling out red flags as I see them, as I see them coming. I'm going to tell you and I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to like stand by my choice and my decision her other friend was there too and she was like giving him the benefit of the doubt blah 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 blah. and i'm like no no he turned out to be a piece of shit was i right absolutely red flags red flags do not avoid them and maybe might be hypocritical of me because i stay i stay avoid like closing my eyes when i see a red flag i'm like suddenly i can't read (laughs) like the arthur meme um but yeah absolutely not so and kiki palmer like like oh my god she's been reacting to this so great she hasn't like talked about it publicly like what actually happened but she's been like profiting out of the whole thing like she dropped like a t-shirt line like she's gonna do like a live show um and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. If your man publicly shames you in front of millions of people, I loved how her PR team like spin the situation and made it a profit for her. I'm here for it. Yes, we fucking stand. Another thing that happened in social media this uh, week, uh, Jonah Hill's ex-girlfriend leaked some of his texts to her again insecure man ladies gentlemen babies everyone people if your partner makes you or tells you that you have to delete pictures off of your social media because they don't feel comfortable First of all, what? Because, <laughs> sweetie, you felt comfortable enough to post those fucking pictures, right? You think you look good, right? And then someone else is going to drop in their two cents and tell you, yeah, that's um, that's my boundary. And, like, if you don't like my boundaries, like, um yeah, we shouldn't be in a relationship. So I'm like laying it all out for you. You can't post pictures in bikinis. You can't post uh, pictures of you surfing. You can't serve with other men. Jonah. Sweetie pie. She's a surf instructor. What? I... You know, like I always say, don't idolize celebrities. Don't fucking idolize celebrities. And I don't. And But I, for Jonah Hill, I was just like, again, we've grown up with this man. 
super bad, you know? Um, it's kind of, like, really disappointing, you know? Like, you would think... Especially because he made a whole fucking movie about his relationship with his therapist. And now we know that whatever his therapist was teaching him is, is like, pure, like, bullcrap. And you're just, like, yeah. I'm sorry, no. There, that's why when I was, like, uh, going through the Kiki Palmer thing, I, I didn't say go to therapy. Because now, now, men have weaponized therapy and they're using it to be manipulative pieces of shit because of their own insecurities. Men have found a way to weaponize therapy, fucked up fam. The thing that's supposed to be helping them become better human beings they spun that shit around oh how the turntables how the fucking turntables i cannot deal i cannot deal things that are also happening all of the supreme court decisions do y'all feel like we live in like a fucking simulation i feel like a live i live in a simulation every fucking day of my life Like, what do you mean um, it's legal now to discriminate uh, LGBTQ folks? What? Oh, did y'all know that stalking is now illegal? Because it's protected under the First Amendment? Oh, yeah, you didn't know that? Yeah. Stalking is now legal. Wow. It feels so good. So good to be in the United States right now. Oh my God, I love it. Hear that sarcasm. I can't and all the other, I, I just can't. I can't. I can't. Sometimes I turn it off, but then it's like I can't turn it off. I need to know what's going on in the world. I need to be educated. But it's like too much sometimes. It's way too much. Speaking of way too much, this intro is way too long, but we still need recommendation corner. Movies. I watch Hotel Transylvania. The reason I wanted to watch it is because I've heard like really good things about it. And one time, um, when someone told me that I looked like Maeve, what's her name? Is her name is her name Maeve from Hotel Transylvania? Yeah, I think someone told me that I looked like her. <laughs> So I was like, oh, and she's actually so cute. I adore her. It was such a good watch. It's really, really a good movie. Um, and then I watched this movie called Wildflower. It's on Hulu. Yes, Hulu's doing God's work. And it's basically this um, teen that was raised by special needs parents, like both of her um both of her uh like parents, like that raised her, were either like they had like her dad had an accident when he was younger and then he stayed at like a teenager's like brain development and then her mom just always had like a learning disability i'm not sure if she had like autism it didn't explain it but both of them were like mentally disabled at some capacity and then like raising her and stuff like that and you know who comes out um the daughter from mad men what's her name what's her name uh so good it was a really good movie i definitely recommend it got me on my feels um it's like a coming of age movie like exploring being like have like it's also has to do with like 
when the parent and children uh roles are reversed and like it was kind of like really sad seeing this like like girl or teenager having to take care of her parents like one uh once uh she got a dog and then she like she made the decision to give up the dog because she's like i can't take care of you and my parents <laughs> oh my god why am i getting emotional <laughs> also i've been such an emotional mess everything makes me cry fucked up fam everything i can't stand it i'm so fucking emotional I do not like this one bit because I've always been a crybaby, but holy fucking shit, right now, it's like taking me over the fucking edge. I can't, I can't deal. But besides the point, so Wildflower, really good. If you have the chance to watch it, please do so. It's a feel-good type of movie. Uh, TV shows, I started watching The Bear. I watched the first episode, really liking it. Uh, well, I just watched one episode and I'm like, I kind of like the fast paced, like yelling environment. And my mom's currently working in a kitchen. So she's like, it, yeah, it's, it's like that. It's literally like that. <laughs> I'm rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender because I'm mentally unstable and I like rewatching stuff because I know what's going to happen. And it's a great show to just have in the background. Finish watching the newest season of Black Mirror. I enjoyed it. I've heard like there's there are some criticisms and like that people really hated this season. Tell me why I enjoyed it. I'm actually thinking of doing like a like just like a bonus episode. Maybe maybe I'll post it before this episode comes out. But I enjoyed all of those episodes. Again, star statted, studded, studded cast for each episode. There's always like stars. Well, obviously. Um, but other than that, that's pretty much it. Let's get started with today's episode. All right. Episode three of Sharp Objects is called Fix. So the episode opens up with pigs. Yes, you heard that right. Pigs squealing. And then we see a bunch of teenagers chasing pigs at night as they drink very white very wind gap of them and then ama emma starts taunting john keen asking him if he's gonna bring her some bacon bacon and she's like uh saying snatch it pretend it's a little girl mm. so john keen gets up from where he's sitting at but his girlfriend ashley calms him down and then she Vickery gets there and honks his horn and through his like overhead like cop car speaker he says well isn't this what did i put well isn't this a shit ton of stupid now go on party's over i don't know why i try to do an accent <laughs> cut to camille going through the police report for ann nash and we can see that she also had her teeth removed like the same way that natalie keen had her teeth removed and that she was strangled with a clothesline and camille hears a crash out a crash sound and when she looks out the window she sees that emma uh had crashed like a golf cart that she rode that she had rode to hang out with her friends and emma tells camille don't tell mama as she slurs her words and camille goes outside and like drags her inside uh so emma when she crashed the golf cart she like fucked up adora's roses uh so she's saying she loves her roses so much as camille shushes her as she takes her up to her room 
in like in Camille's room, Emma's like, what are we drinking? As she makes a beeline towards Camille's quote unquote water bottle. And Camille lets her know that they will not be drinking. And Emma calls her boring as she says how she's how there's never anything to do there. Camille wants to know what she was up to and Emma explains that she was just hanging with her friends and she's like, they love me. They love me so much. They would literally do anything for me because we are best friends. Camille is like, take this and she gives her some aspirins with some water and tells her to drink it and Emma wants to know why she's being so sweet to her and Camille's like, why shouldn't I be? Emma just responds that she's not that she's like oh i'm not nice and camille sympathizes with her because she wasn't she's like oh i wasn't nice at your age either emma goes on about how adora mentioned how she's almost a woman now and she comments like she comments on how her mom does not really know camille but that she does and how she can tell how much she hates wind gap just like she does as well but that she loves dead girls and how she couldn't stay away Camille tells her sister how she's just there to do her job and Emma asks if she was not curious about her and Camille just gives her some more water. Emma wants to know if Camille has a boyfriend and Camille says no and Emma's like, do you want one? And Camille responds, sometimes, depends. Same girly pop, same, it does depend. Like sometimes I be wanting a boo and then I remember that men are trash and they will literally break your heart and feed you to the sharks. And then I'm like, never mind. Never fucking mind. I'm all good by myself. Thank you very much. Um, Emma wants to know if she wants to have babies. And Camille lets her know that she wouldn't know what to do with a baby. And Emma is like, you know, in her drunk state, she's like, you can practice on me. And she hugs Camille. And Camille seems like super uncomfy and tries to break the hug. But Emma just says how she's never had a sister. And how Camille is her long-lost sister. And this comment makes Camille want to hug Emma back. Cut to Camille in her car drinking. And it is pouring outside. And I believe that this is a flashback. Because, she, oh yeah, it is a flashback. Because she's outside of the St. Louis. Saint, how do you, how do like locals, like locals in St. Louis say St. Louis differently. Uh, but she's outside the St. Louis Rehab Center. And she goes in and she has a fresh cut in her arm. And the nurse asks if she's there to check in. Um, and, and she has her sign some papers. And then Camille notices that a girl, like a teenager, is hanging out by like the front desk listening to music. And the nurse lets the girl know that her time is up. And she takes away the earphones. The girl, Alice, played by the legendary Sydney Sweeney, Ask the nurse. She's like, five more minutes. But the nurse says no. And at the same time, she's calling someone on the phone, telling them that she has an intake patient. So like Camille. Alice just walks away super upset that she wasn't able to get like five extra minutes. And then it cuts to the nurse taking Camille to the sh to a shared room. Uh, and Camille ends up sharing the room with Alice. And the nurse is like, good night as she locks the door. Alice seems even more upset about having a roommate and Camille is about to say something and Alice just says, don't talk to me. <laughs> and Camille puts her stuff down in the bed and then we can see she like, for some reason, like her shirt braces up a little bit and we can see that she has a scar in her stomach, uh, in her stomach that says, fuck up and Alice notices it. Back in present day, Camille is woken up by her phone ringing and Frank asks if he woke her up and she replies, no, I just came back from spin class. 
Bro, I love the super dry, like dark humor. Like Camille is literally just woke woke up by the by her phone ringing. She's probably hangover as fuck, so she's in like a shitty ass mood. And then she's like, "Yeah, Frank, no, you didn't wake me up. I've been like spinning uh for the past fucking hour." Yes, of course. <laughs> Frank is like, oh, your piece wasn't half bad and how it will be uh, in the website later and in the paper by tomorrow. And Camille is like, oh, cool. Like, when can I camp come back to St. Louis? Um, and Frank reminds her of, of what he really wants, which is a personal story and to know much more about how the town is like reacting and grieving um, and how they have been preparing um, after these two tragedies. He also wants her to put like a little more like uh, like personal feel in it, like put in your two cents uh, because Camille is from Wingap and like he's like answer the how does it feel to be home question. And Camille says, easy. Every day is a gift. <laughs> yeah, right. Her fucking sarcastic ass. I think this episode is probably one of the funniest, uh, which is saying a lot because this is a very dark show. Uh, cut to Alan turning on his fancy stereo as the door brushes Emma's hair. And Emma sa is saying how last night she threw up three times and Adora comments on how she does not like that and how she's going to call a doctor. And Alan just is like, it's just chills. We then see Camille sneaking down the stairs and then she stops in her tracks when uh, she hears the sound of water and notices that her mom is wetting Emma's hair. And then Adora whispers to Emma, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then Camille, like, witnesses this, like, her mom being, like, super loving and caring towards Emma. And Camille just sneaks out. And, of course, you guessed it, the first place she goes to is to Sammy's to grab her daily bottles of vodka. And then we see her drinking it from her Evian water bottle as she drives because she's fancy. Wait, is Evian, like, fancy water? I don't know. I don't know anything about water. Um... It's, it cuts to Detective Willis leaving the police station, and he's fucking pissed. And we see, like, a quick flashback of the combo he just had with Chief Vickery, where the chief is basically speculating that the murderer is either a trucker or a Mexican. Of course, blame it on my fucking people, yo. Blame it on my fucking people. We could take it all. We could fucking take it. And, like, Chief Vickery is saying how it could not possibly be someone from Wingap basically saying it can't be one of our white community members it just can't be it can't be it doesn't add up the math ain't mathing Willis tries to argue that the murders were a crime of passion but what uh like Vickery doesn't think so he's like the girls were not touched touched sexually and detective Willis explains that passion does not always equal sex and how these types of crimes can scratch a different kind of itch power control the chief tells him how he's just, he's like oh now you're just making shit up and uh willis willis lets him know that the murderer knew those girls and more importantly they had an issue with those girls and he asks uh you know a per he's like do you know a particular type of mexican that fits that profile bill and i'm guessing bill is uh the first name for chief vickery so bill vickery uh, the chief says how the murderer being from Wingap and a serial and a serial would probably work uh, for Detective Willis's because it would kick his career onto like high gear. And Willis is quick with the comeback. He's like, well, all the sit on your ass and do nothing jobs are already taken. <laughs> 
and the chief laughs because he's literally sitting on his ass doing nothing. But then he says, my town, my case. It cuts to Willis at the scene uh, where where he has been uh, to before, which is where the body of Natalie Keene was like l dropped off or like where they positioned the body. And um, he sees that someone left white flowers at the site. So before it was like a bouquet of flowers and now it's like white flowers that were probably picked from like a garden or something. And he looks around and he sees the girlies. So Emma and her little friends, her little besties, roller skating like in the next street over. And then we see Willis uh, also let Chief know that it was someone that they knew. So a uh, flashback again. He's like, it was someone that they knew and the chief just responds or it was or it wasn't as uh willis storms out cut to camille knocking on the keen uh household and as soon as mrs keen opens the door she like slams it on camille's face and like she's like absolutely not i am not talking with this like woman that was like snoop like snooping around in my daughter's house um and uh And at that same moment, Ashley and John, so John, Natalie's brother and his girlfriend, Ashley, get there and John just like mad dogs Camille as he walks past her to go inside his house. Ashley stays back to talk to Camille and she's like, she didn't talk to you, huh? Um, and Camille uh, said, lets her know how Mrs. Keene had a few choice words for her, <laughs> but she didn't have any words for you. And Ashley introduces herself as John's girlfriend. And when Camille introduces herself, Ashley's like, oh, I already know all about you. Um, and she's like, oh, my little sister's friends with Emma. And my older sister was a freshman when you were a senior. And she always used to say that you were the it girl back in the day. And Camille's like, oh, that was a long time ago. Ashley is like, oh, my older sister got married. Uh, she has three kids and she got fat. <laughs> of course because those are the only things that matter and camille's like tell her i said hello and to diet and exercise <laughs> camille begins to walk away but ashley mentions how she can get john to talk to her and how everyone thinks that john is guilty because he's sensitive and how she hates that uh camille asks if she should wait outside or like you know waiting for, to wait for john and ashley's like oh no not right now because john is always agitated after he speaks with his mother And she's like, oh, he's been staying at my place over since, uh, been staying at my place ever since Natalie went missing. And he's like, oh, just come over to my house later. And she gives uh, Camille the address. And Ashley just says that she will have John ready for her as she walks into the Keene, the Keen's house. We then see a flashback to Camille in rehab. And Alice is attempting to put on lipstick and failing. And Camille goes over to her as she says that her mama uh says that lipstick makes you look like a lady and she's like helping her apply the lip lipstick and after she's done applying it she says now you look like a lady camille comments on how alice is lucky that she can still wear skirts so obviously alice is wearing a skirt and alice says that it's a pain to make sure that the skirt covers enough territory but that she made a promise to herself to keep it three inches above the knee and then she erases her long skirt and shows Camille, uh, her self-harm scars. Camille shares that she hasn't worn a skirt since college. And Alice says, she's like, oh, I thought that this was just something you would grow out of. And Camille jokes how she just, she, how she was just never good at the adult thing. Alice calls, uh, calls it the Peter Pan of cutting. And Camille jokes that she will not grow up. No way. 
Alice shares that her mom hates everything she wears, she wears either way. And then Alice asks if she's going to have any visitors like over for like the visitor day. And Camille is like, oh, my mom said that she's coming. And Alice is like, oh, does your mom like like the clothes you wear? And Camille respond, responds, no, God, no. And then they laugh. Alice wants to know what type of music she's into, and Camille lets her know that music isn't really her thing. And Alice jokes, no wonder you're in here. And Camille is like, bitch, you're in here too. But obviously, she doesn't call her a bitch. <laughs> Alice is like, yeah, but. And then uh, she knocks on the door, and we see Alice and Camille going to the front desk. Uh, so this is like kind of like we're seeing inner cutscenes. Um, going to the front desk and Alice asks for the iPod uh, from the like the front desk nurse and she like tells Camille that when she puts on those headphones she can go wherever she wants and they, and then they like you see this moment of them sharing each earphone and then it cuts to Camille and present day listening to the same song as she drives around town and then she spots Willis's car outside a diner and she stops and goes inside and she like goes beeline straight to where he's sitting and she asks him if he's looking into John Keane. And he responds that he has got his eyes on everyone. Camille flirts and asks, you talking about the case or me, detective? And he lets her know that he's not going to share information about the case with her. And she plays her whole, you can control the narrative, like blurb. But he basically tells her to go try to flirt with Chief Vickery and get answers out of him the same way she's doing to him right now. And she just smiles and says, what can I say? I love my job. He, he like tells her like good luck with that because his job is chasing imaginary truckers or Mexican hog workers. And Camille asks if he thinks Vickery is wrong about his theory and he just responds, no comment. She tries again to get some information out of him and he lets her know that he read her sob story and how once the town gets a hold of it, they're all going to want their 15 minutes in the spotlight. He also shames her for the bit in Natalie's room because he's like, there's no way that Mrs. Keene lets you go through her room. And he just says how the best thing for them is to stay out of each other's way. And he just walks out of the diner. Cut to Camille outside of a house and then Chief Vickery pulls up next to her and she jokes that he's tracking her. And he tells her that it is the other way around since, since she's writing stories about his town. She asks if he really thinks that some random, random trucker committed the murders. And he just says, that boy from Kansas City talks like a woman from Wingap. And how he does not appreciate Camille riling up the town with her stories. And she responds, you have two mutilated girls on your hands. Someone else is doing the riling. And the chief just drives away. Ooh, I'm snapping my fingers, girlies. Fucked up, fam. Camille speaking mad facts right now. Like, how is the, like, the detective upset about this? Like, about her writing stories for the, like, newspaper when he literally has no leads. He has no suspects. Well, he has two sus suspects, but he doesn't have any, like, evidence. And he's just, like, driving around town. Like, what? Like, getting mad at Camille for doing her job? And Camille hits him with the, oh, bitch, uh, you have two murdered girls on your hands. Like, do some fucking work and stop bothering me, you know? <laughs> uh, Camille takes a sip of her little vodka water. Um, and then we see that it's she's actually outside of Bob Nash's house. And she's interviewing him again. And uh, so inside his house, he's going on about how Anne was smart and different from the from his other kids. And how she would ask him things that seemed grown up and how she had her point of view on things. 
and he mentions how he can't have those conversations with his other kids and and he's like i can't even have those types of conversations with my wife he also shares that his wife never wanted kids and how it was always him and how he figured that it would be different uh different once she had them and loved them and he asked what kind of person does that hurt a child and camille is like oh are you talking about your wife or and he clarifies that he's talking about the person that did that thing to Anne and the how the police have not found a goddamn thing Camille asks if he does not think that the police are doing a good job and he says that the police are wasting their time interviewing him when he did not have anything to do with the murder of his daughter Camille asks if he thinks he's a suspect because of his DUIs or because of his assault charge. And he asks Camille, he's like, oh, you've never had a few too many drinks? And he's like, I got into a fight once. That does not mean that I killed my daughter. Camille lets him know that she was not implying that, but, but Bob Nash is all riled up now. And he says that they all think that and how the, even the detective from Kansas City has been all over him and his family. Camille wants to know if he still thinks that a man um, killed his daughter. And he's, she's like, oh, there's an eyewitness saying that a woman grabbed Natalie. And Bob is like, yeah, I still think that it was a man and how he could bet money on that. And Bob Nash speculates that it could have been John Keane since he has got no alibi. And Camille adds that John Keane had no mo motive for killing Anne. And Bob responds, what? And I do? Then all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and Bob is upset because he thinks it's like his daughter interrupting him again. And out of nowhere, Adora rushes in and she's like super ashamed telling Bob, she's like, I did not think that Camille would come here and harass you. And both Bob and Camille are like super confused and Camille tries to explain herself, but Adora tells her daughter that she's not the police and how she should not bother good people. Bob reveals to Camille that Adora used to tutor Anne and how Anne was really fond of her. And Adora just tells Camille that she thinks she should leave because she's there on a social visit and how her presence there is inappropriate. Uh, Camille tells her that they weren't done talking and Adora just responds, yes, you are. And it cuts to Camille yelling out in frustration as she drives her car and hits the steering wheel and as she's driving, she sees Alma roller skating by herself down the street and she follows after her. And then we see that uh, Alma is like roller skating to Preaker Farm. Camille gets out of the car and she begins like following after um, Alma. And uh, she goes inside like the farm where all the pigs are kept. And then she sees um, that Alma went to go see the baby piglets and then one of the farm workers gives her one of the pigs and she carry, carries it and then she goes out the other end of the farm but emma looks up and she sees camille on the like like she's like she sees that camille is pick, peeking in through the window and emma just smiles at her as if she knew that camille had been following her this whole time at the Preaker household, Adora is hosting Chief Vickery, and she she's like, thank you for giving me a heads up about Camille's whereabouts. And she's like, I apologize for my daughter's behavior. And Chief Vickery is like, which one? And Adora's confused, and he explains that he caught Emma after curfew, like out with her friends partying. And Adora calls out Emma's name, and then, but like, Emma doesn't respond, and then she asks Gala, who is like her maid she's like oh can you go fetch emma uh well she doesn't say it like that but <laughs> she's like um she's like can you go fetch emma and the chief is like oh that's not necessary you know i just wanted you like 
I just wanted to give you a heads up. Um, and she also tells Gala, oh, and bring the chief his usual. Uh, also, not the chief of Wingap having a usual order at this Caucasian household. Sounds about white. Adora wants to know how he knew that Camille was at Bob's house, and she asked if they consider him a sus suspect. And he's like, oh, we just have we just have eyes on him right now, and and how he's not the only one. Adora says that she refuses to believe that Bob would hurt his own child, and the chief just says how they're just following leads and the, how the detective thinks that it that it is someone from Wingap, but that he isn't so sure, but how he might have to begin to wrap his head around the idea. Adora asks why he doesn't broaden his search, and she's like, why don't you start at the slaughterhouse? And he's like, that's a little bit obvious, don't you think? Adora says that she was a part of those girls' lives and how with their loss and the loss of her Marion, it feels personal. And Chief just reassures her that they'll get to the bottom of it. Emma comes downstairs and she's like, you called mama? And, uh, and the Chief is like, oh, that's my cue to leave. And he gets the fuck out of there. <laughs> Adora scolds her daughter for being out after curfew and Emma promises that she was being safe. And Adora tells her that that is not for her to decide and how and Emma argues that she lets Camille be out and about. Uh, oh, no, how she let Camille be out and about when she was like Emma's same age. And Adora is like, and see how Camille turned out. And she's like, she explains to Emma that Camille has had her difficulties and basically tells Emma that Camille is not someone who should be admired. And she's like, you're not safe around Camille. Do you understand? We then see Camille getting to Ashley's house and Ashley for some reason is wearing a cheerleader outfit and she tells Camille that they're in like in their out like in the house out back and she follows her there and we see Camille asking uh, is there to like we see Camille start asking John Keane some questions and she asks if he's been staying with Ashley long and John tells her that he has and how Ashley's parents have been like very kind and Camille wants to know how his mother feels about that. And he just says how his mother understands and how he just doesn't feel comfortable being at his house right now. Ashley comes over with snacks and beverages. And Camille mentions how she thought that school was out. So she's like, oh, because, you know, Ashley's wearing her cheerleader uniform. Um, and she's like, oh, sometimes I just feel like spirited. And I decide to wear my uniform, which is very fucking weird. Um, it makes me think like, oh, does John Keane have like a little kink for girls in like cheerleader outfits? I don't know. Ashley also asks Camille if she wants a beer because John is drinking one and Camille politely responds that she uh, uh, she's like, oh, I'm on the job. And she wants to know if John can describe Natalie to the readers. Ashley, so Ashley, for some reason, is the one responding when Camille is asking John, and she mentions how Natalie was such a tomboy and always climbing trees and skinning her knees, and Camille mentions how Bob Nash has been talking to her about Anne and Natalie's friendship, and this catches John's attention, and Camille says, uh, she's like, oh, not just Bob Nash, Bob Nash, but a lot of people are saying that you and Natalie had a very close relationship, and John like gets defensive, and he's like, what does that mean? Ashley steps in and says how Bob Nash is a drunk and how he does not even pretend to hide it. And John wants to know what Bob Nash has been saying about him. And Camille lets him know that she prepared, she prefers to hear what he has to say. And John just says how Bob is probably talking about how Anne was his perfect little girl and that 
he sometimes think that if Natalie had never met Anne, she... And then Ashley, like, cuts in and lets him know that Anne is dead, too, and how Bob has a lot of sorrow in his heart as well. Camille asks if the police spoke to him about his alibi, and he says that he was just out driving around. And Camille sarcastically says, she's like, oh, the grand jury will appreciate the romance of an open highway. (laughs) highway." And Ashley just tells John, I told you. And he's like, oh, Ashley does not appreciate my alibi either. And Ashley tells Camille that John was with her that night. And and like John tries to stop her from saying anything. But she's like, I'm not going to have the whole town think that my boyfriend is a baby killer. Camille wants to know how long John has lived in Wind Gap. And he says that um, a little bit over two years and how he got there when he was a sophomore. And Camille asks if he likes it there. And he just says that he misses what he misses about the city is that he could walk outside his front door and be surrounded by people that didn't know a thing about him and how Natalie did not care what people thought and how this, and he's like, this one time she made up her own language and she was so excited. She refused to speak English for a week. And then he says, I hate it here. If we had never come here, Natalie would still be alive. And Ashley's like, you don't need that. And she's like, if you had never come here, then we wouldn't have never met and been been together. And he just states that he hates this town and how someone in this town killed his little sister. And he just gets up and cries as he walks outside. Ashley tells Camille that she's going to go and get him so they can continue like the, the conversation. And Camille lets her know that they can finish the interview another time. And she just leaves her number written on like a piece of paper. Cut to Emma roller skating outside of her house and Camille gets there and she goes over to Adora who's fixing up her roses and Camille apologizes. Did y'all hear that fucked up fam? Adora interrupted her like conversation with Bob Nash and Camille is the one apologizing to her mom. Camille sweetie pie darling please stand up to your awful mother please i'm begging you um camille like tells like oh i did not know the extent of you um and the nash's relationship and adora just tells her that she practically left bob uh, catatonic and how he was quivering when she left and how she never realizes the amount of hurt that she causes adora also mentions how emma is a little girl and how she does not understand what Camille is. And then Adora pricks her. Adora is like fixing up her roses and she pricks herself with one of her roses. And then she says to Camille, look what you've done. Ma'am, ma'am, you pricked yourself fixing up your roses. Like I'm seriously losing my mind here. Camille lets her know that she did not crash the cart uh, over her roses. And Adora just says, nothing's ever your fault is it and then we see a flashback of when camille was in rehab and it was rehab and it was visitor day and instead of her mom showing up alan showed up by himself with a bouquet of flowers from adora's garden but adora is nowhere in sight cut to alice so back in the flashback in bed crying and she asked camille if it ever gets better with family and she's like maybe when i'm older like you and camille just responds no not really And Alice asks, so what do you do? And Camille says, you survive. We then see Camille like notice that Alice is really going through it. So she goes up to the front desk uh, 
to the nurse working the front desk and she's like pleading with the nurse and she's like she sweet sweet talks her into getting her the ipod uh and she goes over to alice and tells her let's get out of here and then they share the earphones as the nurse like tells her through the window like she signals at her only five minutes and back in present day alan is is wrapping up adora's injured hand her horrible uh you know like prickled hand i hate adora i'm sorry i hate her adora asks alan if he thinks she's like oh do you think emma is safe with camille in the house and alan is like why wouldn't she be and adora continues coming and going at all hours drinking she sets a bad example Alan just lets her know that Camille is a grown woman and how her choices don't reflect on them. And Adora says that Camille makes her feel like she failed and she makes her feel like a bad mother. And Alan just assures her that she does everything she can for her children. And Adora says to Alan how he's too good for, to her. And Alan asks, maybe I should stay with you tonight just in case. And Adora says, I'm sure that won't be necessary, bro. Bro, they don't even sleep in the same room. What type of fucking relationship is this? What's going on? Like, this is not adding up. Alan just kisses Adora's forehead as he walks out of her room. In Camille's room, she's at her laptop drinking, and Emma walks in and says how her friend Joe told her that she was over at her house talking to John Keane, and she asks if he confessed uh, to the crime or if she thinks that he did it, and Camille's like, I don't know. And she's like, he's probably innocent. Emma's like, oh, he cries a lot. But other than that, he's okay. And she's like, oh, and Ashley's such a bitch. And how she doesn't know what he sees on her. And Camille's like, oh, Ashley's like really pretty. And Emma brags that John is always looking over his shoulder, like looking at her and how he can tell that he likes her. Camille like comments on how uh, John is a little old for Emma, but Emma does not agree. And she's like, I'm almost the woman. Don't you remember? And Camille says how she should give John some space since, he's, since he is going through a lot. And Emma just mentions how he's not even her type and that he's too pretty for her. Emma gets up and says how sh she's going out. And Camille is like, no, you're not. <laughs> and uh, she's because um, what, what did I say? um she's like oh you know people are out there murdering like girls your age and and uh Camille, and Emma's like okay but would you have gone if you were me like if you were the same age as me and Camille is truthful and says yes but I was stupid and you you aren't Emma says that she'll be sure to be safe uh, and she's like oh why don't you go with me and Camille tells her that she needs to stay home and finish her work and go to sleep the same way that Emma should stay home and just go to sleep because she wants her to be safe. And Emma's like, whatever. And Camille asks her to promise to not go. And Emma promises. She also mentions how uh, Mama told her to be careful around her. And she asks if it's true. And she's like, Camille, are you dangerous? And she's like, I thought that you were the wild one. Camille tells her that she just hung around parking lot and talked to boys and how wild was different back then. And Emma just tells her goodnight and kisses her cheek. We then see Camille go into Marion's room and she looks around and then she picks up a picture of her and Marion when they were young. And in the reflection of the photograph, she sees Marion like in bed, uh, kind of looking like 
Natalie and Anne's corpses, so like without her teeth, and she drops the picture startled, and then it cuts to her taking shots with the bartender at censors. <laughs> Camille asks for two extra shots, and then she walks over to Detective Willis and gives him a shot as a peace offering, which he takes. She also shares how she talked to John Keane and how he feels that he has a bullseye on his back. And Willis asks what Camille thinks, and she doesn't think it makes sense for him to kill his beloved little sister, and Willis agrees. Camille asks if he thinks that he's a suspect, and Willis is like, seriously? And Willis mentions how he's a pariah in Wind Gap and how Vickery sees him as a threat and that the folks there hate his guts. And Camille says, she's like, oh, it's because you're an outsider. Willis asks to enlighten him with more information on Wind Gap and its history and to show him around town. She tells him, she's like, she's like, we don't have toothless corpses in the town's history, if that's what you're asking. And he says that it's not. And he's like, oh, maybe there's an old crime that can be like tied to what's going on right now. And Camille asks what she gets out of it. And he responds, other than my charming company, hot. That response was so sexy to me. Mwah, chest kiss. But he tells her that if he like shows her around town and gives her a little history that he will answer three questions for her and then the bartender flickers the lights and tells everyone inside the bar to get out of there and Camille is like oh are you done drinking <laughs> cut to them in a parking lot just like parked and they're just drinking on top of the car and Camille tells him that back in the day it was party central there like in that parking lot and Willis says how he can picture her doing that out drinking the boys and leading them on. And he asked if she was like a preacher's daughter, looks, money, and brains. Camille says how looks and money will get you pretty far in this town. And Willis asks about the brains part. And Camille says that will get you out of town. Uh, he asked her why she left. And she's like, funny. No, he asked if that's, wait. Oh, he asked her why she left because he's like poking fun of her that she does not have brains. And she's like, funny detective. He then says, okay, let's dig deep. Favorite ice cream, favorite color, favorite season. And he asks if he can handle that. Is this a first date? Like, those are first date questions. And her responses are coffee uh, for favorite ice cream, black for favorite color, and winter for favorite season because it gets dark earlier and she likes the night. And, she, and like, he's like staring at her and Camille tells him to stop looking at her like that. And he's like, stop flirting with me. You're not my type. And then there's a honking sounds and a car going towards them. Uh, and, a and of course, the girl leaves ro roller rollerblading towards them. And Camille's like, oh, shit. Emma goes over to them and she's like, Dick, how's it going? So like talking to Detective Willis. And Willis just plays along uh, with it. And then Emma starts singing. Camille and Dickie sitting in a tree and her friends start singing along and they change the K-I-S-S-I-N-G to F-U-C-K-I-N-G, my type of song. Um, Emma tells Camille how she thought she was staying in and Camille responds that you can't trust the Doris girls. And Emma says, when you said you were going to bed, I didn't know it was with him. <laughs> and then Emma skates, skateboards over to Willis and she playfully pushes him and asks, Dick, when are you going to take us for a ride, huh? Willis asks. Willis says how he would have to arrest her first, and Emma asks, handcuffs and all? Sexy. 
Detective Willis says how he's like, oh, we're going to get going. And Camille just glares at Emma. And Emma says how Willis can't solve a crime to save his life, but he can help her sister to her crappy ass car. And Emma starts pulling Camille's hair. And like when Emma gets her, she's like eating a popsicle and she like puts her popsicle in Camille's hair and she's bothering her as Camille tells her to knock it off and and how and she's like it's that's enough and Emma asks if she's going to hit her and Camille responds yeah you want me to huh as Emma laughs and tells Camille to be dangerous like mama said Emma says how Camille would could kill her right there and then and Dickie boy could still not figure it out and Willis tells Emma to go home and she tells um and, and Emma's like, have fun to Camille as she skates away. And Camille just rubs her temple. And then uh, so and then she's like trying to get the lollipop out of her hair. And like Detective Willis is trying to help her. But like Camille's like, it's fine. I could do it. And she takes it out herself. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to drive back to my car. We then see intercut scene. Oh, OK. What, what? OK. Camille walks back to her car and then she begins to drive. We then see intercut scenes of Camille in rehab. And we see that. She had stepped away to go to the nurse's front desk station, and when she like, I'm I'm guessing to give her back the like the iPod, and she when she comes back inside, she notices that Alice drank bleach and killed herself, and then she goes over to the restroom th to throw up, um, and you know like she's so like panicked, and she notices that there's a loose screw on the toilet where she just threw up, and she unscrews it, and she like begins to violently cut herself with that screw and then an orderly gets there and stops her in present day camille's driving really fast and then she abruptly stops stops because she thinks she saw someone in the middle of the road and when she looks at her rear, rear, rear view mirror she sees marion standing there end of episode all right, fucked up fam. Let's get started with our segment section and we'll begin with that shit's traumatizing. So I put it under the traumatizing section because I'm just like, it must take a lot of guts and a lot of trauma and a lot of like self-awareness to realize like, fuck, this is my rock bottom. I need help. Like, I am in urgent need of help by yourself. Like, coming to that realization by yourself. Because let's usually when you're, like, an addict or, yeah, when you have a sort of addiction or a mental illness, like, the people around you are the ones that are kind of, like, realizing first. And then the, they're the ones that are urging you to get help because they love you. But in this scenario, Camille is, like, alone in St. Louis by herself and she's drinking too much she's continuing to self-harm she knows and and she doesn't have anyone there to be like girly go get yourself into a treatment center go into rehab do something you're literally killing yourself um and just hurting yourself so I feel like I put it under traumatizing the fact that Camille just ch decided to check herself into the trauma, like the treatment center. As, uh, just as she downed her like bottle, her last bottle, she's like, I'm a, I'm a finish my fucking drink. And we see that when she get there, she has a fresh self-harm cut in her like arm. 
So she's like, I'm a partake in all of my vices. And that for her includes alcohol and cutting herself. And then I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to get better. And I'm going to hope for the best because I can't be under my own protection. She she literally had the guts to say, I am not capable of helping myself right now. And I need someone else to do that for me. I wonder if that's, can you just walk up? to like a treatment center and check yourself in like if you're in the middle of like an episode where they like they know like can they not turn you away because I know when you're like have a break and then like you know maybe you get arrested or whatever or you know you hurt yourself and you go to the hospital they put you in like a 48 hour like psychiatric hold I believe that's what it's called but if you're actually going into the treatment center and requesting help like how does that work like does your insurance, <laughs> not me trying to find out just in case I need to go one day, <laughs> just in case I want to take a little mental health vacation. Honestly, that wouldn't be too bad. I mean, obviously I'm joking. Uh, but <laughs> like, so what's the deal? Like, do you just show up and give them your insurance or is Camille just, I feel like her mom is rich, but she's not rich. So does she have money or did her grandma leave her money? Like, is she well off? I, I don't, I don't understand. Maybe I should have done some research, but I didn't. I didn't. Like, what did y'all, what did y'all expect from me? Like, <laughs> but yeah. So um, if anyone, just kidding. No, we're not violating HIPAA violations up in this bitch. But if you know what happens when you check yourself into like rehab or a treatment. Well, I mean, if it's for rehab, if it's like a privately owned company, obviously they're going to charge you. Obviously only rich, rich, only rich. I can't pronounce rich. Okay, there you go. Only rich people go to rehab. Am I right? Fucked up fam. Also, I know I'm going on like a tangent, but in, in Mexico, if they could practically kidnap you and take you to rehab and keep you under lock and key if your family pays for it. Isn't that crazy? Well, I, honestly, honestly, like y'all might think different from me, but in some scenarios, dude, when you just need someone to get clean, maybe it's not, what's the word that I'm looking for? Not, not it's not humanizing no dehumanizing to do that to another human being but bro we're like in a drug epidemic like no we've been in like a drag a drug not a drag we stand we love drag in this household and in this podcast drag queens we love we stand uh protect protect them with on my heart um drug drogas there's a drug epidemic right now or there's been one for the last 100 years at this point were the flappers just like doing hella coke also or were they just drinking i'm going i'm i've only gone over one thing i'm going off on a tangent i don't know where i was going with this it's fine it's fine we'll continue next traumatizing thing not Chief Vickery assuming that the killer is either a truck driver or a Mexican. Chief Vickery, Bill, Billy Boy, 
your racism is showing. Like I get, I get the track, the tracker. What I can't talk today, fucked up fam. I'm so sorry. You should, you should have made this a drinking game and drink every time I mispronounce something because I'm on a fucking roll. But a trucker, I get because because because. Truckers move from, like, location to location, so I know there's been, like, serial killers in the past that were truckers, and it was really hard to track them down because they're going to different jurisdictions, blah, 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 so maybe, like, the police, the different police jurisdictions aren't talking to each other, and then that's how a person is able to get away with murder for so long. Look at my fucking crime junkie skills coming into play right here but i mean i get the theory of the trucker but at the end of the day is a theory what about the mexican where are you coming from mexas like where's the evidence what evidence that you currently have <clears throat> nothing <laughs> chief vickery you literally have zero fucking evidence what evidence that you currently have shows you that it's a trucker or a mexican what where like from what i can tell all of the population in wind gap are white people quite white if you ask me my if you ask me um so where where i need the evidence show it to me show it to me now uh next thing on the list so seeing your mom who your whole life she's treated you different showing affection to your younger sister i think that must be so it's when um adora is like downstairs and she's brushing emma's hair and like washing it right there and then she like hugs her and she's like i love you i love you i love you and like camille witnesses this isn't that like a stab a stab a stab, I pronounced it correctly, that shot doesn't count. A stab, okay, no, that one counts. A stab, a stab, there we go. Isn't that a stab to the heart, to the gut? Because at that point, you're wondering like, damn, so it's not my mom, is it? Is it me? Am I the issue? Am I so fucking unlovable that my mom never showed me affection like she's showing to my little sister who's like 20 years younger than me? And obviously, obviously, Camille is not the most mentally stable girly. She's not. I love and adore, adore her, but she has a lot of issues, a lot of trauma. So... Of course, like those thoughts are gonna come up. Like, damn, my mom hates me. My mom never loved me. My mom has never treated me that way. So, so heartbreaking, honestly. Let's see. Oh my God, this one got me so fucked up. So angry. Adora showing up to Bob Nash's house when Camille is trying to like interview him. What? And she's like, the way that she shows up there shows how like fucking dramatic she is. She's like, I don't even know the word I'm trying to find, but it's, she's, 
a drama queen. The fact that she gets there and she's like apologizing right off the bat and Bob Nash is so confused. He's like, why are you apologizing? And she's like, I didn't know Camille was going to come here and bother you. So like villainizing Camille again, treating her like shit. And she's like, Camille's like, and she tells Camille, you shouldn't be bothering these good people. You're not the police, blah, blah, blah. She's just like, just going off on her. And Camille's like trying to explain things to her mom. And, and, um, Camille's like, oh, this interview isn't over. And her mom is like, yes, it is. I'm here on a social visit. You're here on a work visit. Get the fuck out. Honestly, Camille's same reaction, that frustration yell in the car, that's self-care. Ooh, those yells, those screams of frustration inside your car feels so good, fucked up, fam. If you haven't tried it, I a thousand percent recommend it. I'm pretty sure we've all have been there. We've all experienced some some sort of anger, some sort of like real deep emotion that we didn't even know how to let out of our body. But the only thing that we could think of at that moment was like a guttural fucking like scream or yell or grunt or whatever. <sighs> Those feel so good. Ah, it's the little things in life. Fuck the fam. <laughs> Oh, that was a weird giggle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm giggling right into the mic. What was I going to say? Oh, my God. Hold on. Okay. Um, that conversation when, um, so it's after the, the, like, it's when in the flashback when Alice and Camille are in the treatment center. So we meet Alice. Um, and then it's right after, like, the, the family visit day or whatever. And, and obviously Alice's visit with her mom did not go well. And she's just like sitting, like laying down in fetus position. And she asked Camille if like it ever gets better with your family. <laughs> and Camille is like, I'm not going to lie to this girl. So she's like, no, it doesn't get better. But you just keep trying every single day to get through it. But it does not get better with your family. It never gets better. Oh. Wow, that was that was heartbreaking. That that shit was traumatizing. And then oh, I've I've skipped one. No, I skipped a couple. What the fuck? I skipped like two. So after Adora shows up to Bob Nash's house and like intervenes during the interview, um, and finding out that the sh- the the she. <laughs> finding out that the chief is the one that snitched on Camille and that's why Adora got there so fucking fast oh my god snitches get fucking stitches chief Vickery but I mean that's why this fool's a cop that's why this fool is uh the chief of wind gap the biggest snitch ever there ever was I can't I really can't. And then, oh my God, this one made me, this one made my blood boil. So whatever, uh, Adora is there with her rose bushes. She's gardening, being a white woman. And then Camille gets there. She apologizes, even though I don't know why she had to apologize to her mom who interrupted her work interview. 
and was apologizing on her behalf but whatever she apologizes i think she's just like not trying to cause any trouble and she also apologizes because she's like oh i didn't know you were this close to like Anne nash um i didn't know you were her tutor whatever um but then adora cutting herself by accident with the thorns in her rose bushes and then turning to Camille and saying, look what you just did. What? Are you fucking kidding me right now? Let me repeat it again, just, just in case y'all didn't understand. Adora cut herself with her own rose bush. Um, and then she turns to her daughter, Camille, who is several feet away, nowhere near close this rose bush. And she's like, look what you did. Look what you've done. And you know what's fucking comical? She had Alan, her cuckold husband, bandage up that tiny little cut on her arm. Oh my god, I, I hate Adora. I just, I really dislike her. I, oh, she makes me so angry. So fucking angry. This next traumatizing thing, obviously, when um, Alice kills herself <laughs> and then Camille sees her and then Camille starts like viciously self-harming herself right after she witnesses her roommate's suicide. Oh, my God. Also, not me saying at the beginning of the episode that this was probably one of the funniest. <laughs> episode with the suicide having the being the funniest fucking episode of the season oh my god (laughs) but yeah this scene is really really tough if you get triggered by self-harm suicide depictions of suicide depictions of self-harm do not and i repeat do not watch this episode also why are you watching this show (laughs) don't self-trigger yourself oh my god it's a really good show okay and then at the end when camille is oh i forgot this is the episode where emma is being a fucking cunt it's so funny because she's with camille alone she she acts like this totally like per like she acts like totally different, but when she's with her friends, she's a fucking bitch. But this episode, the way that the things that she said to Camille, the things that she said to Detective Willis, her actions of like taking her lollipop and putting it in her sister's like hair. Look, I know teen girls are savages. I've been there. I was one. Hormones raging you're a monster you're literally the hormone monster (laughs) but emma in this scene fucking cunt and i don't use the word cunt lightly you know who's a cunt (laughs) if you know me and you're listening um i'm sorry never mind i don't apologize i take it back i'm not sorry 
Um, <laughs> so disrespectful. Look, I'm the oldest daughter. Um, so I've never been in a position where I've disrespected like an older sibling because <laughs> there's no older sibling. There's me. Um, <laughs> so, and I don't know if it's like a cultural thing where we um, like Latinos or Mexican people just hold respect to like or elders and like a high regard and like keep in mind that Camille is like a, around 20 years older than Emma so just right there there's also like that age kind of type of respect that you hold for someone right I don't know dude I am a, I don't know I mean, she was raised by Adora, but so was Camille. Maybe Camille was also a cunt when she was growing up. I don't know. We don't know yet. We might find out. I don't know. <laughs> okay, and then the end when um Camille, like, is driving after, like, this whole thing with Emma just happened and took the Willis, and she, like, stops in the middle of the road because she thinks she sees, like, I don't know if it was Marion or Alice. I don't remember. I don't remember. But that imagine just imagine well yes don't don't do this because she's driving drunk middle of the night in an empty road and then she has to hit on the brakes super fast because she thinks she sees a dead girl she thinks she sees a ghost oh my god that shit is traumatizing um, let's move on to our next segment. So I've kind of reworded this one. It's called That Shit's Heartwarming or Lighthearted. So That Shit's Lighthearted. Camille's dark humor jokes. I love her. She's so funny. Um, so it was like the when Frank Curry, her boss, calls and he's like, Did I wake you up? And she's like, No, what do you mean? I, I just finished spin class. <laughs> like, what? This bitch is hungover. This bitch hasn't been to the gym in the last 20 years. I can assure you of that. This or this bitch has never gone to the gym. How do you cover all of your self-harm scars in the gym? She told Alice that she hadn't worn a dress since she was in her 20s. Like, I mean, a skirt since she was in her 20s. This bitch is covered from head to toe in scars. I'm surprised she doesn't have them in her face. Like, people have tattoos now. But... <laughs> The spin class joke, mwah, chest kiss. When, um, oh, when Frank is like, oh, you should add, like, more of your, like, sprinkle in some of your personality, some of, like, what you're feeling while investigating the story in your hometown. And he's like, just tell people what it means to be, like, how it feels to be back on Wind Gap. And she's like, every day is a gift. <laughs> Not that Southern Bella charm coming through where you're just bullshitting everyone. And, like, every day is a gift. Sounds like such a, like, Southern response. Like, how are you doing? Every day is a gift. I don't know what type of accent that was. That was not a Southern accent. Hold on. Let me try again. Every day is a gift. <laughs> I can't. I literally, literally cannot. Um, what's up with Ashley wearing her cheerleader outfit? That was hella random. That was so weird. Honey, the school's out. Why are you wearing your cheerleader outfit? It must be to, like, I don't know, like, 
impress John Keane, like feel bad. I don't know why she's wearing that cheerleader outfit. I would love to talk to the writers about this because I'm trying to think. John Keane has a kink. Oh, that rhyme. John Keane has a kink. John Keane has a kink. It's a tongue twister. For cheerleaders. Or she thinks she looks sexy in her cheerleading outfit, so she wants to impress John Keane. Or... Since her sister, wait, no, I don't think I'm, no, she's, they're not there. No, I think it's one of those two. I think it's the second one. I think it's the latter. <laughs> um, and then this was actually really heartwarming when their Camille and Alice are preparing for visitor day. And then Alice is like struggling with her lipstick. And then Camille goes over and she like helps her applies it. And she kind of does like the big sister thing where, your younger sister's barely learning how to put on makeup and then you just you just go and help her because you know you know stuff and then this we saw this a couple of times but like sharing earphones uh, while they were listening to music and the power of music and the fact that before Camille entered the treatment center she was like oh I don't really like listen to music that much and then after We've seen her all this time. She always has that iPad, which I think is the original iPad that the nurse lent Camille and um, Alice the day that Alice killed herself because it's all cracked and she's always listening to the same song. So it was the song that Alice liked. And I feel it just like a feel good song and it brings her a good memory. So that's why she keeps listening to it. And it's just like, because Alice said, oh, when I listen to music, I could go anywhere in the world with anyone. Like I could, you know, it just transports me. It just makes me feel so good. It makes me feel like I have a better life than what I currently do have. So I really enjoyed that. And then another heartwarming, lighthearted part was before Emma and her shitty friends interrupted uh, Camille and Detective Willis's cute ass dates in the place where she used to hook up with guys and like drink i love that i'm like where did i used to hook up with guys and drink but i'm not gonna give that up ah! <laughs> i should leave a little mystery to myself should i not um actually i want to bring back this segment i know it's gonna be the longest fucking episode but it's really quick savage of the week award goes to detective willis for telling fucking Chief Vickery how all the sit on your ass sit on your ass jobs are already taken as Vickery is sitting down on his ass, not doing anything. <laughs> oh wait, it was sit on your ass and do nothing jobs. Yes, that was the exact quote. And lastly, take it with a grain of salt segment. Um, and this is just something that I try not to write down and just go off on what I thought of this episode and off on a whim, but take it with a grain of salt. If you hurt yourself, don't blame your children. Out. <laughs> and don't assume because assuming makes an ass of you and me. And that's for Chief Vickery. Assuming that the truck driver is either a trucker or a Mexican without any evidence. And for if you hurt yourself, don't blame it on your kids. I think, well, obviously that's for Adora, but I'm trying to think of another situation where that would apply. 
I, I can't think of it. <laughs> that was a long ass pause, dude. Um, the neurons in my brain not connecting. The circuits not connecting right now. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's been a long fucking day. I'm exhausted and I'm so excited to finish this episode so I could go eat a sandwich. Yes. Um, but I think that's it for the day or for the episode. <laughs> not for the day. For the day, I still got a couple of hours. <laughs> that's it for this episode thank you so much oh no and we're still haven't gotten there oh my god i'm so bad at this i'm so good but so bad at this and y'all love it y'all fucking love me for it but follow the podcast on social media on instagram where that show effed me up f the spelled e-f-f-e-d on Twitter, where that D-A-T show fucked me up. Fuck the spell without a U, so F-C-K-E-D. Give the podcast a five-star review on both Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. It helps with disability and it helps people join the fucked up fam and be part of the shared psychosis. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fucking fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, Fucked Up Fam. And remember, be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.